0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue wire. NBA most valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. 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 Two seconds.
1: Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. It is Sunday. That means we are doing Bucks Stock Radio live on Locker Room today, a little bit later in the afternoon today, a little Sunday scaries and Sunday scheduling at work. But I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my calculating, efficient co-host, Rohan Coddy here to make Bucks Stock Market Moves And then answer some mailbag questions. And we got some doozies already. It's going to be a really fun show. Rohan, how's it going?
2: I'm doing well. Doing well. It's a bit of a gray day. But you know what? Uh, Definitely the Bucks and their recent performances will definitely cheer me
1: up. Right? (laughs) I don't think so. Uh, Unfortunately, that has not been the case. The Bucks fall in... I I didn't watch it, to be honest. I've just sort of caught up. I have not sat and watched the whole thing. I don't think I'm going to. But in what seemed like a, a pretty ugly loss to the Memphis Grizzlies and Bud Acolyte Taylor Jenkins last night.
2: Yeah, it wasn't pretty. I would not recommend watching it unless you're into that sort of thing. I don't know,
1: but we do this podcast, so we kind of are.
2: Yeah, no, I'm just uh, <laughs> I guess so. But we can get the you can get the general vibes. I think you I think you have a pretty good idea of what sort of went wrong here without having watched the entire game.
1: Yeah, I I, I think so too. So let's make our stock moves. And I think a lot of the mailbag questions we've got. And if you're in the chat right now in locker room, welcome. Thank you for hanging out. Throw some questions into the chat here. We'll get to as many as we possibly can. But our stock moves first. Buck stock market, we track this after every game at Eurostep podcast on Twitter. Our portfolio is currently very close only because Rohan is still has the dead weight of Mike Budenholzer stock uh, just holding back the rest of his portfolio. Rohan, your total stock value right now, 303 bucks, so to speak, mine 299. So you certainly have much more value overall. It's again, the negative 20 from holding four shares of bud just is such a, a huge thing to overcome. And it's, it's fitting, right? You have to overcome it. The Bucks have to overcome it. It's like, it, it, you know, it, it just feels it's something we're used to.
2: It really is. Uh, what I was thinking actually back on this when I was, uh, you know, uh, doing the stocks for yesterday's game against the Grizzlies. I was like, I really I really had some hope that these uh, investments would sort of pay off a bit. And I was just reminiscing like
1: I was so naive. I was very
2: <laughs> naive. And now we're here.
1: We are. Uh, we both have 20 buying power this week. Neither short paid off. You shorted Bryn Forbes. I shorted Dante. Dante really just hasn't played enough to have a stock change. I think Bryn added about one uh, one unit of value, one or two this week. So your your eternal quest to successfully short Bryn Forbes is going to fail for another week, as expected. So I guess you could, if you wanted to have no buying power, you could uh, go ahead and dump that blood stock right now. But that's a little bit of a boring move. Um, I've I've teased already before we recorded here. I have some big sales coming up. Are, are you selling any? Do you want to think about it? Do you want me to go first? What What's the order I, of operations? I want to
2: hear your sales, so you go for it.
1: So you, you asked, is this a fire sale? Am I getting out of certain players? I wouldn't say that. I really think I just want to redistribute my portfolio, rebalance a little bit, and I kind of want to go in on what I think are going to be stretch run contributors and playoff rotational guys. So I'm selling one share of Wara, two shares of Sam Merrill and three shares of Pat Connaughton for a combined, I think 45 total value. Yeah, 45. So I'm keeping one of the two kids, Wara and Merrill and I'm keeping two Pat Connaughton's because it's, it's just so volatile. I mean, we both agree Pat has played pretty well uh, throughout the season but I think it's safe to say that his value is really going to be tied up for the stock market at least. Like, Is he shooting three or four from deep, or is he 0 for four? And it's going to be hard for him to increase his value by a lot. If he's not hitting the threes, if he is hitting the threes, it could keep going up. So I, I don't need to be that in on Pat Coutedin. I think I've, I've made a nice profit here. I'll walk away from the table.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I like the strategy here and sort of gearing up because that's what the Bucks sort of, I guess, should be doing uh, yeah. during this final 16 games left in the regular season, given they're still a little banged up, like they just got Giannis back. Uh, he just played his second game back. Now Dante's out. It's just it's tough, but this is what they need to do because it's not like it's in their control. Time is dictating that there's not much time left to get ready for when the games really, really matter. So I like the strategy you've got going.
1: Thank you. It's we have a really good mailbag question about this from OGGZ. I'm excited to get to you later in the show, but for now, do you have any sales on the buck stock market?
2: I do have I do oh. have some sales. Uh, I need to I was going to maybe cut some bud, but again, that's boring like you mentioned yeah. up top. I was thinking about that. It's like that's not that's not ideal. Um I'm surprised this is actually paid off to this amount, but I'm going to sell two of
1: my Brook Lopez shares. <laughs> Interesting. So you're getting twelve out of Brolo, I believe, currently valued at six per share. Yes. Brolo Renaissance, baby. The the price has crept up. We've seen some good things lately. We have. We really
2: have. He's sort of rounding into form as I was tweeting about during last night's game. Like the threes are starting to fall, which helps. <laughs> it helps a lot in terms of his, in terms of his overall value. Because again, that's one of his like the only thing he seems to be doing right now on the offensive end besides like lumbering through the post every few possessions uh, here and there but yeah it's starting to fall he's sort of you know not getting as lost as he did before given he still has his defensive limitations in terms of has he lost a step yes that's obvious compared to last season and the season before that that's just undeniable at this point but he's sort of making do the best he can while previously in the season it was sort of like Oh, shoot. I'm not like in position. I used to be able to get there quicker. And he's sort of accepting that he's old.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the other thing I think that is going to affect Lopez's value, I feel like our expectations have been reset and it took a lot of the season. But I think we were probably the last time we saw him play was the Miami series where he was excellent. And the last full season, he was a legitimate all defense caliber guy and he's not anymore. And I just think it feels less jarring now when I see him not be that guy because we're just kind of used to it. Right. So now when he does contribute positively on offense, like you mentioned hitting threes, he's his mid range and turnarounds and all the silly shots. I wish he would never take, have been going in at a higher rate lately. He is still a skilled offensive player and the defense, it just kind of feels fine. Now. I think it probably felt worse than it was earlier in the season, just because Again, we were used to him being like an actual Defensive Player of the Year candidate. He's not really that anymore, but he's, he's okay. It's, it depends what you ask him to do, and I think I continue to be impressed Like when he's guarding a player on a switch, a perimeter player. I, I know I, it doesn't make sense to call a seven-footer de- deceptively long, but he's so good at forcing a shot that is not a high-percentage shot when he's guarding a perimeter player out there. So as long as he doesn't have to close ground onto shooters – from far away, that is death. That is the worst Brook Lopez thing. If he's not doing that, there's a lot of upside, I think, in Brook Lopez. So, yeah, we've seen the stock go up, but I don't. You're not buying the long term upside, though. Clearly, uh, on Lopez.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's sort of the idea here. I think it's good. <laughs> I just don't think he can go up that much more.
1: That's fair. Um, sure. Any, any other uh, sales? I think that's it for right now. Okay, so you're sitting at 32 buying power. I am over here at 65. I got moves coming, Rohan. I got big moves. Let me start with the guy we're just talking about. I'm buying a Brook Lopez for six. I'm on the other end here. I like what we're seeing. I think he is fitting in better. I think he's getting used to this thing. And you know, this is we kind of got bit by this right after the All Star break when we thought he was going to go on this crazy run and then had some truly awful games. I also think. I think as the defense gets recalibrated and all this, I I do feel like maybe the coaching staff is doing a better job of acknowledging what he should and should not be doing. Like I don't think Lopez, even at this point, is a bad player or not a good player. He's just limited, and you have to utilize him in specific ways for him to be useful. I think they're getting better at it, and I just think where the team is at, I think he is going to play, he's going to have opportunity and lately, he's been showing he can still be such a plus on the offensive end. I, I could see him having some more good games like that, especially down the stretch here as he and a bunch of other players rest. He might be used even more offensively in some games than we'll be seeing in the playoffs when the Bucks are at full strength. So I will go in and grab a Brook Lopez for six.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, my first purchase here is a little, it's a little controversial here. Ooh. So my first purchase here is I'm going to get in on another Thanasis.
1: Oh, wow. This is bold. I didn't know what to do with Thanasis this week. We'll see if I buy or not. That is bold. See,
2: the thing is, like, this could go very poorly for me because this Grizzlies game that happened uh, Saturday was just... It was it was weird in the sense, like, we didn't see a lot of Thanasis. We didn't see him actually get extended run until the fourth quarter, which was very weird in a game where you just... You need, like, an energy guy. And that's, like, while he does other things, that's his, like, that's his bread and butter. He's great at doing that. Just as a baseline, he'll do that. Even if he's not doing anything else, he's still providing great energy. And they desperately needed that in that game. And he still was not playing <laughs> for yeah. the team, which was weird. But, like, you you could say that this is indicative of what's going to happen going forward. And that he's not going to be, like, a major part of the team. Or, or. You could look at it in the flip side and say, oh, they didn't play the Nassus and look what happened.
1: Okay, that's fair. Um, what's funny is we are, again, landing on the opposite side of an issue. Uh, I'll do two sales at once just because I have so many to do here. I'm buying four Teagues and four Tuckers for 12 each for a total of 24. And oh my. my, I am making these moves on the basis that I think these vets that are coming in mid-season, Teague and Tucker namely – I think they're going to take a, a lot of minutes going forward and just be staples of the rotation because we all know how Bud feels, you know, Teague, uh, nepotism aside, we all know how Bud feels about vets who have proved it. And I think, you know, the flashes of, of war are great. You know, Merrill has shown some. Diakite, honestly, it's kind of... Eh, I, I haven't loved his his minutes of late. He's He's just young. He's raw. But I just think as we get closer... And as I think we're going to see some games with like a playoff rotation to kind of get get ready and get an idea of what's going to happen, I just think Teague and Tuck are going to be relied upon a lot. I think they're going to play as long as they're healthy. I think they've looked good and they're going to add a lot to the team. I know we have a Teague question later too, so I don't go too far in on Teague, but I think that PJ Tucker is going to take a lot of the Thanasis minutes. We'll still see Thanasis in the regular season for sure. Just because, you know, there's so many games, the Bucks are going to rest. Every team is resting guys right now if they haven't already gotten bit by the injury bug. But I think these vets are going to have a huge role in the team going forward. So I'm going in on them now while they're still affordable stocks.
2: Okay. I can't say I disagree with that because I'm going to buy one of each as well. Just one. Oh, of them. I'm, okay. I, I don't have as much uh, liquidity as you do right, in right. that respect. But I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy one Teague, one Tucker. Exact same reasons. I think they're gonna be very, very valuable during this stretch run, especially because we haven't gotten to see PJ that much because he got there, still getting acclimated. Boom, gets hurt, misses a couple games, and now he's back. And he's, you know, he's starting to hit his threes a little bit. His defense is there. It's, it's, it's all coming together, and that's why I think I think Teague and Tucker are safe purchases for the exact same reason. That-
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What do you do? Here's a less safe purchase. I'm buying a Brent Forbes for 18 So, Oh, my. When I was watching, uh, what was the... F- no, what was the Thursday night game? I can't Hawks. remember now. The Hawks game. Bryn Forbes, I thought, played better on defense than he did on offense. And I'm not worried about the offense. Like, his threes just weren't really falling, and that's going to happen from time to time. But I do think, like, that's the big divide on Bryn Forbes. And I know the the on-off numbers, I think he's still worse on the team by a, a huge margin. I just don't care anymore about the on-off numbers. Sorry, it's it's a great stat. I don't care about it. Um, I think he has so much he can add to this team. I think having a shooter of that caliber is so huge. And I don't think he is a bad individual defender. I think his size means he can be targeted in certain matchups by certain players. But I think if you hide him a little bit, teams really have to go out of their way to make it to, to take enough advantage of, of Bryn Forbes on that end for it to make up for what he can do on the offensive end. So I just I'm still an irrational Bryn Forbes fan I see these flashes and I'm just all in I don't know if we'll ever see the complete package all put together I don't know if we'll ever see him playing with the big three as much as I would probably like to see but I'm still going in on Bryn just purely through hope and what I see being really high upside lineups
2: fair enough fair enough that is definitely a risky investment to say the least at least, in, at least for me. Me and Bryn Forbes have a complicated relationship around the <laughs> stock market. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I can't say I disagree with the upside uh, that he's providing. I love that you pointed out the defense, and especially because that's what, like you said, that's been sort of like the sticking point with Forbes. Like, oh, what is he going to bring on the defensive end to sort of to sort of, you know, counteract what he's doing on the offensive end, because that's what we've seen in his previous time with San Antonio and stuff like that, is that he provides great offensive uh, output. It's just like at some points he's giving up more than he sort of puts in on the offensive end. So it's it's important to realize that his defense has definitely improved a bit, uh, not even a bit, a significant bit in this system and with this team. So we'll see. We'll see if that translates
1: i um, I think we might make a very similar move here as we wind down our moves of the week.
2: Okay. Uh, do you? What? Guess. Guess. What's my? I have one move left. What are you doing?
1: I think you you're buying that? Chris. Yes. <laughs> I'm buying. I'm also buying Chris. We're both buying Chris. Um. And um. I'll just get the cat out of the bag now. There's only one player valued at one. I'm buying Axel Tupon for the second straight week, just because there's nothing else I can do. It's like it's like the guys I've seen a guy post once on like reddit that he uses gamestop as a bank account he just has pre-orders and then he'll cancel the pre-order and get the cash back I don't know why anyone would do this but this person does this Wait, um right. I yeah I don't know I don't get it at all but that that's how I look at axle stock like I have no no vision that this axle twopom play is gonna pay off but like I just I have one buck that i can't use on anything else so next week i can sell two axles and get two dollars back hopefully but anyway talk about chris
2: chris had a it's sort of a rough output in that in this memphis game like given he sort of started to turn it around a bit in the fourth quarter when the Bucks still had the puncher's chance of sort of getting back into this game that they should have won regardless but just a just a rough showing on sort of raw shooting numbers. I did, however, like his aggressiveness going forward, like especially to start that fourth quarter. So I think the potential is there. Like it's definitely there. We've seen it in the past. We've talked about this ad nauseum. It's, it's there. It comes and goes, whatever. But it's starting to come around again and get, just the shot wasn't actually going down, but he was taking – taking the right shots i'll say that it just wasn't going it's like the dion waiters i'd rather go like one of 19 than one of nine yeah it means i stopped shooting that's that's sort of the performance still earned a down stock, but but i liked what i saw
1: that was the uh the sacramento game too right didn't he shoot like three for 20 or something but at least he took 20 shots
2: yes yes
1: um yeah no i agree um and, and also i feel like it's almost a desperation play by us like we're bringing good vibes. We're bringing good vibes. Um, OG Jeezy says, I'm watching 22 close this week. These are the defenders I want him to see him look good against. I, I just want to, like, there is a Chris Middleton debate. I don't think we're going to lean into it that much until the offseason, just because the team is what it is now, right? Like, there's no more free agents. I mean, they're pr- hopefully, they're going to sign one more guy at some point. doesn't really matter. IMO. But, like, there's no more trading. You can't sign any more impact players. Like, you're not going to add someone better than Chris Middleton at this point. So you kind of, I mean, you can accurately, you know, describe and break down his play. I'm not saying you can't criticize the guy. But I'm not going to debate, like, who could they have? Who should they have gotten? Should they have traded him? Should they have not? That just feels like an offseason thing to me. So for now, as someone who is invested in this team, both literally in the Buck stock market, well, not literally, but kind of um not real money please we're not financial and financial advisors but uh you know someone who likes the bucks i want to see the bucks do well and that's going to mean chris doing well so like let me just buy in now the stock price is low and obviously like i am not one of the people who doesn't want chris to succeed just because i'm worried about a lot of the things we've seen i still want him to succeed i just think like our thing on the pod is we always just no matter how we feel we're going to call it like we see it. Chris has been dubious, but we want him to do quite well.
2: Exactly. Exactly. This is, <laughs> this, we share this mindset, but yeah, it's, it's rough right now, but I think it's on the, I think it's on the, up. I, I believe, I believe I have some hope this Phoenix game is going to be really important uh, yeah. coming up tomorrow here on Monday. Uh, you know, it's going to be hilarious, uh, not hilarious. It's just going to be a headache when Tory Craig is out there defending Chris Middleton.
1: If Tory Craig scores more points than Chris Middleton in that game, I don't even know, man.
2: Yeah, don't say anything because it might come true.
1: I, I, you know, I'm tired of people blaming me for stuff the Bucks do because of my tweets. My tweets should not carry that much weight. That's a Bucks problem. That's not a me problem. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> Fair anyway, enough. Fair anyway, I just it happens too often. I'm like, oh. That's, this is going well. They're defending this guy well. And then 12 straight points. Uh, and people come with me with the pitchforks. Pitch it's like, hey, don't come at me with the pitchforks. It's probably Bud's fault. Everything seems to be. Speaking of, I'm shorting Bud's stock uh, this week, which, you Ooh. know, at negative five, it seems like how much, f- how much farther could it drop? But the Phoenix Suns are very good and feel- seemingly always a tough matchup for the Bucks. I could see that game getting ugly. I could see a couple games this week getting ugly. And I do think, you know, we we definitely hold players accountable as well. But we also hold Bud accountable. I could see this being a rough week for my guy, not really Mike Budenholzer.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I agree with that sentiment. I just don't think it can get worse <laughs> in that regard.
1: Famous last uh, words.
2: See, here's the thing. Yeah, you're right. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to try because it, it can always get worse. Uh I'm going to I'm going to short I'm going to short Bobby Portis. And that leans oh. into a question that we sort of had in the chat here. But I don't know. I think it's it's sort of coming and go. We're reaching we're reaching a tipping point with Bobby Portis in my opinion. Because okay. It's I maybe that's a little dramatic, but I feel like he's sort of still finding a place in this newly Revamp team especially with pj back they're sort of trying to figure out okay how do we how do we do this realistically because they know that they want to play Giannis at center for a bunch of minutes too or at least some time and then brooke lopez is starting to play well as well so you can't really get a lot of a lot of minutes with bobby portis at center and then you also have like pj tucker to play the four so it's like are you gonna have bobby portis play the four and take up pj tucker's minutes i don't know I don't know, and I think, I think it's going to suffer a little bit this week. I'm not, again, I'm not hoping for that, but I think it will.
1: He's such an interesting player, with you know, he's so good at some things, namely offense, and then just so not great at other things, namely defense. And you know, we talked about just his his foot speed means at least he can close out on shooters. I, I really think, like, if they're going to mess with zone, I think Portis is one of the players who would probably benefit the most because it's like you know, oh, there's someone open. Like, let me get over to him fast and just not let him take an open shot. I think that's where he's better at. In the drop, it's just really not good. I think switching, okay. He's not shutting anybody down. I think it's better than the drop. So that it, if I was ranking Portis defense, it's probably like zone slash switching and then drop. But let's just, let's get to Claude's question. Let's move on to the mailbag segment because we're already talking Bobby Portis. We've got a couple other questions in the chat. we got some good ones on Twitter. So Claude asked a different Portis question. Does Bobby P's value go up with more minutes played or is diminishing returns? My gut check answer is to say it's probably, I think you probably hit a point of diminishing returns.
2: Yeah, realistically, yeah. Because there's only so much he can do in limited minutes because in in those limited minutes, I mentioned this last week or last, I can't remember which pod it was. We dropped a lot of
1: pods in the last week. We had four week. pods over seven days at one point. Um, wow. it, it felt like we took a long break because we haven't dropped from Wednesday to today, um, because there's just so much to talk about, and with the Milwaukee Bucks right now. So if you haven't listened to all those, make sure to go listen to all those uh, on the Eurostep podcast feed. Subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, send postcards, buy a billboard, and put "Listen to the Eurostep" on it. I digress. If it was
2: a billboard bought? I would just be flabbergasted.
1: We've talked about this before, and I, I, it might be beyond. It's it's asking a lot from the, the listenership to get a billboard, but. If you if you have a billboard plug and it's just a billboard sitting around, could be anywhere, but maybe Soldiers Grove, a huge Eurostep fan, Soldiers Grove community oh out there in Soldiers goodness. Grove. But, uh, but yeah, Portis, yeah.
2: yeah, the Portis question. It's tough because in those minutes he's going to go and just take as many shots as he possibly can. Exactly, and, yeah. Uh, like sometimes that's a really good thing. He has been an efficient shooter this season. It's been a revelation It's There's been uh reporting done and like talking about him working with lethal shooter and sort of getting a shot right compared to his days in Chicago and New York and to now where he's just like still, still shooting the lights out from distance and in those face up jumpers. But at one, at some points you're like, okay, there's, there's, there's other options here <laughs> there, you can, there's other players on the court too. Uh, <laughs> And like, I get it. I get it. That has a lot of value, a lot of value, especially in like a playoff setting where nothing is seeming to work. Nothing is seeming to get going within the system. And you just need someone to go out there and get a bucket. Bobby Portis, he will take those shots. And more often than not, he will go get you a bucket. So that does have value, but it doesn't have as much value when you're trying to get others involved. And if you're trying to be like, okay, we need to, as a team, get out of this slump. Not just Bobby Portis, so that's I, where it sort of gets into diminishing returns.
1: I will say the one way that there wouldn't be diminishing returns, and like this is a little, it gets a little bit more into the theoretical. But the fact that he is now just an elite knockdown, deadly three point shooter means if Portis himself and mostly the team were a little more disciplined in like you know not turning every other possession into Bobby Portis facing up and taking a you know, an 18 foot jumper falling away along the baseline when, you know, Giannis and Drew and Chris are out there. I think if he was just kind of used as a more of a catch and shoot player when the, the other starters are out there, there's probably less it there's it's less of a diminishing return situation. But also I think like you just can't trust the Bucs to, you know, dictate their own shot selection. Like it really just like you however much the Bucks. How, however yeah however much you <laughs> yeah exactly. However much you like shooting is what your shot amount will be like in in this Bucks offense, right? Like, uh, at, like times minutes played. So like, if you like shooting a lot and you play a lot of minutes, you're gonna shoot a ton. Even if you're not good at shooting, because the Bucks just are not good. and We've talked about this before at funneling shots to their best players r- over time. So that's that's I think why Portis has diminishing returns. Is if he's playing a lot of minutes with Giannis. He's taking a lot of shots that aren't, you know, wide open catch and shoot threes with Giannis on the floor, and that's not ideal um, unless they're open dunks off Giannis' gravity. But like, you know, if Giannis is just kind of chilling and Bobby Portis is facing up, that's probably a pretty bad possession. As good as Bobby Portis is, it's just not what you want. So that's why I think we have diminishing returns on Bobby Portis. Let's let's check out some Twitter questions here, Rohan. I think this one we talked about a little bit from at the original D pot, Daniel, he asks, "Will Jeff Teague have a huge impact come playoff time. And I feel like this is one of those questions. If you would ask me however many weeks ago, I would say, God, I hope not. Now. I think there's a solid chance. He got a huge impact is saying a lot, but I, I definitely think he's going to be a rotational player, all playoffs.
2: For sure. And you can't even like we can't even be upset at it at this point. Like I will I will admit freely that I was dead wrong on Jeff Teague and sort of his abilities to play with for this team and with this team and how much value he could actually have. I was dead wrong. Like he's actually like a solid, a solid contributor. Like man dunked in a game against the Hawks.
1: Like dunk counter at one. what's, What's what's going on?
2: I think that's more than Eric Bledsoe. Sorry, but, but
1: oh man, he can't get through a single pod.
2: I don't think he's dunked this season.
1: <laughs> it w- yeah, probably not. Um, and you know what's encouraging about Teague though is we uh, well, what do we keep saying about Teague to temper expectations about was the shooting, right? Like he shot 464 percent with Boston, and we kept saying he's not going to shoot nearly fifty percent from three for the rest of the season. You're just not going to get that. He's only shot thirty three point three percent from the Bucks, and my biggest ire with him is simply not shooting enough. But the one thing I pointed out that probably would work out that has worked out is he's getting more than one assist more per game in like 0.2 less minutes than with Milwaukee than he did with Boston. And he's making way more of his twos, 51.6% from two, which is would be his best finish ever for a full season from two. Obviously it's only been nine games. It'll probably come down a little bit, but He's getting to the rim. He's drawing free throws, which has been quite nice. Two point two free throws per game, which also is more than Boston. Like he's just—he's making a difference in a lot of ways that feel more sustainable than that gaudy three-point number, which is why a lot of people were excited. And I think my favorite thing, Jeff Teague's stat this year—he averaged six point nine points per game with Boston and six point nine points per game with Milwaukee. This guy is nice. dedicated. Dedicated to a nice points per game uh so shouts to jeff teague and his commitment to a bit but really again huge feels like it's just saying a lot but i think it could feel huge now that the bucks have not just one but two point guards who can organize the offense a little bit penetrate which is huge which is kind of the issue with even a good player in george hill like he wasn't always doing enough Teague, I think, is a little more active on ball. I think that's gonna help the Bucs a lot in the playoffs.
2: For sure. For sure. He's he's not gonna be sort of played off the floor in that respect, which is one thing I was really worried about. Uh with his uh with his role for this team initially. Uh he's just it's not gonna happen, and he's going to be sort of it's it's like a mini George Hill role, I would say. He's gonna have that George
1: Hill role. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I guess you could say he might have a huge a huge impact for his role come playoff time. I don't think I'd he's think, gonna end up yeah. the third well, best. Be fair, block, that
2: but. that George Hill role is gonna be vastly reduced uh, as it was last year and the season before, considering uh, there's no. Again, sorry, blood, but no blood void, and Drew Holiday is a plus.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And we're, we're so used to the backup point guard have to having to actually be the best point guard on the roster, and it does that that position doesn't need that anymore. So yeah, I think Teague does have an easier time than Hill did, who basically had to step up and be pop a point guard uh, in the games that mattered. For sure, for sure, Papa point guard, <laughs> Papa point guard, um, yep,
2: and he's gonna have to do that for Philly now. Has he played for Philly yet?
1: I don't know. Uh, One game at most, but I don't think so. It's kind of weird. It's kind of a weird thing happening there. Um, at MLFFTW21, not even going to try and guess what that is. But he, this person, they ask, what can be done to improve the defense? How long is Dante out for? Let's go for the Dante one first because I think, I mean, I'm guessing you don't have inside info on this, Rohan. I certainly do not. But I would think not that long because I thought he was either questionable or doubtful before he was out the first time. And it's only been reported as was it a right toe sprain, which it feels like it's probably quite uncomfortable and it could be painful because he's, you know, a basketball player who runs and jumps, but it doesn't sound to me like something that would, what?
2: He runs for sure. <laughs> yeah, the
1: jumps is you. question. The jumps is questionable. Um, <laughs> but uh, all this to say, I, I would think not that long. But honestly, like I don't have a real inside info here.
2: Yeah, same. It's it shouldn't be too long. I think they're just sort of being uh, very very cautious in terms of uh, player rest and health in this sort of. In this sort of stretch run here, they just they want to keep everyone healthy uh, yeah. for the playoffs. Like I think uh, PJ Tucker spoke on his injury, and he was like, "This is the same thing I sort of had in Houston. Uh, like I've just been playing through this." And the Bucks training staff was like, "What are you doing?" I love We're that, that look, by you. the way.
1: I love that for the Bucs, by the
2: way. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's a great. It's it, it's fantastic. Like shout out to the training staff. They're all there. The Bucks have an elite, elite training staff. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I don't think he'll be out for too much longer should probably be like maybe two
1: games max probably be a real shame if we got some more looks at bryn forbes buck starter and and they they look they looked good i'm just saying
2: nothing's changing at this point no I i know
1: well it's closing lineups are still subject to change and that's really what i care about um the other part of the question though what can be done to improve the bucks defense for me the answer is simple like I'm sure there are people smarter than me out there who have a 37-point plan to save the Milwaukee Bucks defense and every little way they attack, every coverage and all this. I mean, sure, probably, yes, but I'm not going to act like I'm, uh, you know, an NBA coach and go that in in detail. I just have one thing. Cover shooters better. Like, that's what it comes down to for me. That's every time I feel like they just – not just lose, but get their asses handed to them. It's because they let someone like Grayson Allen shoot a billion open threes. And listen, in this season, especially this season, like the bubble, some of these shooters are just going to hit everything. And there's only so much you can do about that. But the Bucs just seem so laissez-faire to me on defending threes. It just doesn't feel like they care because there's so much emphasis on the rim, which is good But one of the shots is worth more points, which means if you're really bad about giving them up, it can be truly devastating as we've seen time after time after time after time over the last X amount of seasons. I can't even just say three seasons because we saw plenty of bucks threes in the Jason Kidd era as well. So I just think like they just need to defend threes. Like I, every, it feels like every time they go on a big run, Either they get kind of lucky in guys' threes, which just has not been happening that much this season, or you see them run shooters off the line, and even if then they get beat for a layup every now and again, A, it doesn't happen that much because they have, like, Brooke Lopez or Giannis or other great defensive players like Drew Holiday hanging around to make up for some of those mistakes, or B, they just, you know, they, they get stops, they don't give up a ton of threes, and suddenly their offense is more than enough to to build out leads. So, for me, it's that simple defend the three don't give up all these open threes i think if they do that they can hang in there and beat pretty much anybody you know we'll see about like brooklyn and all that we have a great question from snell season i want to get to next but what is your thought on on fixing the bucks defense rohan
2: yeah realistically stay home on shooters like that's it's a very simple concept yet something that this team has struggled with for the past like five years <laughs> Yeah. But I like like you mentioned, I get it like you when other teams are just keep on pressuring the rim, you kind of have to adjust to that. You have to sort of it ebbs and flows in terms of the actual like uh defense out there. They're sort of keep on pressuring uh the defense towards the rim, anchoring them towards the rim. And that opens up way more shooters. And that's just it's sort of what happens. It's like a pick your poison sort of thing. I think you can realistically do both you're not going to be able to take everything away like we've seen the bucks try to take away everything god we're bringing up a lot of old demons in this episode but you gotta love yeah, it baby Ah, uh, trauma it's not, season uh, it's not as bad as bench the bucks um oh man oh <laughs> uh, yeah we can't we can't escape that
1: ever never again but until they win a championship i'll say that that
2: yes yes i agree i agree wholeheartedly with that um but yeah it's you can't take away everything but you can do your best to take away the most efficient shots in terms of like threes and you know shots at the rim like that's something you can do that's something they've tried to do and they've been trying to do given they will mix up their defensive scheme we saw their their big adjustment in the Memphis game was just going to a 2-3 zone And like they stuck with it props to them like at least they're trying things but they're still still not doing it as effectively as they should be and it just starts with staying home on shooters
1: yeah. And I mean, we've seen so many like bad doubles and bad help defense where like a buck will just inexplicably leave a good shooter in the corner Drew one Holliday pass last away. Night. Yeah. It's yeah,
2: He was helping Brook Lopez. I, I forget who it was. I think Jonas caught the ball uh, at like the left baseline and was sort of going on Brooke Lopez. And then uh, Drew Holiday just came and flashed help. And then he just threw it to the shooter and he knocked down a three. I can't remember who it was, but it was just like it was as simple as that.
1: It's, it's literally the Kawhi thing all over again where they just get so rattled and it doesn't make sense because the whole point of the Bucks system on both ends, like offensively and defensively, their ethos is like mid-range shots, not good, rim and three good. And yet they will sell out so hard to stop players from taking contested mid-range shots and then leave three-point shooters wide open, which goes against everything that they want to do. Like, supposedly, like, their core values are, you know, those are the bad shots. Here are the squares on the court, you know, under the rim or threes. Or, you know, if you're Chris Middleton, you get special privileges sometimes. Like, it's just so mind-boggling, mind-bogglingly frustrating, if that even makes sense, that they will, like, sell out to stop a post-up. And it's like, you know, this rocks. But if he's going to beat Brook Lopez, he's going to beat Brook Lopez. Make him do it. It's You have so many good defenders. Let them defend instead of, like, having overhelping and, you know, dropping and letting good shooters just be wide open whenever they want. Like, let the defenders defend. What is the point of these great defenders if they're not going to be defending their man? It, it It's very frustrating, but I think, yeah. I think we and probably most people who have been watching the Bucks for the honest era are probably in agreement uh, on how the defense could be better. For
2: sure.
1: For sure um let's go to snell season got a question i'd like to hear your takes on and well i think we have two more good questions lined up after this realistic playoff expectations slash predictions also of course thoughts on tony snell would love tony snell back on this team uh we were hoping beyond hope somehow he'd get bought out he was too busy being the best wing on the atlanta hawks so shouts to tony snell wish he was still a buck unfortunately not uh, he could have big revenge game chance if the Bucks draw Atlanta in the first round. I couldn't
2: even be mad at it.
1: No, I couldn't either. Uh, you got to root for Tony Snell.
2: Yeah, but, for sure, hundred percent. Okay. Always, always rooting for Tony Snell. But yeah, the actual like the the basketball question in terms of the Bucks here, realistic playoff expectations slash predictions. I'll go first here. I'm gonna say they. <sighs> this is tough. Okay, maybe I won't go first.
1: I think they lose to Brooklyn, wherever they play Brooklyn, I think is what happens. I really do still, after all of this, I think they beat all of the teams below the top three, including including them in the top three. So anybody who's not Brooklyn and Philly, I think they just handle, even Miami, the boogeyman Miami Heat. I just think that team, something is off. I think they're kind of struggling getting healthy. I don't think the shooting is there. I think they could exercise that demon. I think they could beat Philly. I still do. I I just I think they'll. I think they'd handle Philly, and it wouldn't be that much of a problem. I could see that, but I think so. I think they either lose in the second round of the conference finals. I don't think they beat Brooklyn, just because you know we touched on this in our our seeding scenarios pods. I just think you have to be so well optimized to beat that Nets team if healthy. I mean, that's the one thing with the Brooklyn. That's right? the one it's thing
2: like, I was going to bring up because yeah. I do not think
1: they're going to be at full strength. They've li- they've never been. They literally never have been.
2: And like Kevin Durant just left the game today with a calf
1: contusion. It's tough, which is terrible to see. Which, uh, um,
2: yes, obviously, like that sucks. I would much yeah. rather see the Bucks play the Nets at full strength. Obviously, it's great for basketball. I'd never wish injuries upon anyone. Yes, thank you for saying that. I'm glad I can yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah. I do not think the Brooklyn Nets will be at full strength, and I do not think that the
1: Bucks will lose to them. Do you think the Bucks will beat the Brooklyn Nets
2: and then lose in the finals? <laughs>
1: See, I feel like if they beat Brooklyn, if Brooklyn is moderately healthy, I could see them beating whoever comes out of the West.
2: I I don't know. Maybe I'm just like, this is just the Bucs fan in me. I just do not expect them to do what they probably can do. So I think they're going to make it to the finals and we're going to be overjoyed. And I'd still take that as a season result. Like, that's incredible. But I'd still think they'd lose in the finals, even if they were well equipped to beat whoever comes out of the West.
1: I think even if Brooklyn is a little – and I mean, I guess we should – I don't want to say cover it because I don't think we have to go in detail. But LaMarcus Aldridge retired, so Brooklyn is for sure not going to be at full strength if you count him because uh, some heart issues, which is very yeah, scary. Yeah, heart arrhythmias,
2: so- yes. Yeah, very, very scary. Cardiac arrhythmias are no joke. Shout out to LaMarcus Aldridge. Great career. Wishing you, yeah. you all the best.
1: Yeah, um doing the best thing for him. It sounds like he's gonna be okay. It just flared up during a game again, which I think it happened before when he's with the Spurs. So very unfortunate would would love to have seen him get a shot at a ring here, uh, in Brooklyn after sort of having one that also got derailed by injury, but not to him, to Kawhi Leonard when he was with the Spurs back in twenty seventeen. But yeah, I, I could see Brooklyn not being healthy and I mean, hey, the Raptors, you know, got a ring because of a team not being healthy, so Would would uh, these things happen? It it does happen. I think there's arguments that the first two Cavs Warriors finals matchups were decided, you know, in large part due to health. I mean, obviously 2015 and people forget 2016 Bogut being out made a huge difference uh, in that series. So these things happen. Uh, There's no asterisks. I think I said that. It's hard to say, Uh, but I, I don't think those exist. Truly exist. I think every ring is really really hard to win. So I you, you take Mickey it Mouse ring. <laughs> except for the Mickey Mouse ring. Um, so you take it if it happens for sure. But I just think you have to be so well optimized to beat Brooklyn. And I just don't trust the Bucs to do it. And they just literally like four different players. Plus, I could see absolutely lighting the Bucks on fire in any given game. So even if they only all do it once, that's still enough games to win the series. So I'm going to say they lose to Brooklyn in the second and third round. Rohan, you think they're going all the way to the finals and then coming up short? I think they're going short. to the
2: finals. I'm starting to I'm starting to get less high on Brooklyn. Uh, Interesting as a, as a as a threat to the Bucs. I know I was super super high and and I'm still high in that. I still think they're the favorites by far. It's not even close. I think the Bucks are well optimized to beat them. They just Brooklyn's defense just is a glaring hole. It's a glaring hole, and they the thing is like, oh, how are you going to stop them on offense? Well, OK, sure. But the Bucs can also do like, the similar sort of offensive outputs like they're, again, one of the top rated offenses in the league. And this time it's actually well suited for playoff basketball. And so if they're both sort of putting out insane offensive outputs and one team can play defense and one cannot, you got to pick the team that can play defense, at least a bit.
1: That's all well and good until it's like the third quarter of a close game and Pat Connaughton defends defense, Kevin Durant for eight minutes. And those eight minutes cost the Bucks the series.
2: Okay, sure, but KD's gonna do what KD does anyway. Yeah, I mean sure, I guess, but And that's part of their insane offensive output. That's yeah. been going on throughout the season, given KD's missed a lot of time, but even even when KD was on this uh healthy and on the team, like with the Harden trade, they were still producing at a similar offensive output as Milwaukee.
1: Yeah. I I just you know, I'm gonna have to see Bud not find a way to hilariously blow it. Not hilariously for Steve us. Nash might. Yeah, yeah, he might. Um, it's just, it's just a lot of hopes for me in, in the Bucks beating the Nets in the series. There's just like a lot of things need to happen that I would not bet on happening. But that that's you know we've done a lot of Nets. I'm sure we'll circle back uh, ahead of a potential series or even before then. But we have two more questions to get to. Jin the Buck at E. Chorso. Sure, Chorso? Chorso? Sure, uh, but Jim the Buck asks, we always talk about coaching and the mistakes that Bud makes, <laughs> literally right now, but what about the front office? Are we satisfied with their work in the past two off-seasons? Are the pieces around Giannis good enough? The Bogdanovich story really disappointed me, and I want to hear your takes on Horst. Fascinating question.
2: really is. Um, uh, Horst seems all right. This front office seems competent. Like, they keep their guys. They sign their guys. Like, obviously, they got Drew. They made the Drew trade. They re-signed Drew. Obviously, the big kahuna, they re-signed Giannis. Like, given that's completely in Giannis's hands. But, like, you got to make the argument for it. Uh, I don't know. I feel like they've done a better job than most small market teams in sort of putting good talent around to, like, a super-duper star. And that's why, you know, Giannis is the guy who stays. In that regard, and is actually on a contender rather than you know teams that do not really figure it out that much, and then the star ends up leaving like that hasn't happened in Milwaukee, and a large part of that is due to the front office. They do have their mistakes uh i do I do not think the Bogdanovich thing was sort of the buck's fault uh we we will never know actually, I'm not going to say that yeah I, I just everything. I've
1: given up on thinking about it cause we
2: yeah, we're never going to know about it. So I can't really say that's the Bucks' fault. I can't say whoever's fault that is. We 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 can't hold it against them if we don't know what it is. I guess this is sort of like an innocent until proven guilty sort of situation. As, yeah. as hard as that is to say about like the Bucks front office, <laughs> right? But, but yeah, like they do have some weird weird contract things that they sign. Everyone gets a player option, like that's guaranteed. Also, like to be fair, like they're also signing to play with the Bucks, so you got to give them what they want. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like they're doing a decent job.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if, if you count Brogdon and Bogdan as factors outside of the front office's control, so if you assume that Brogdon was not retained because of money, not because John Horse in the front office just would rather have had the picks than, than Brogdon, then it's hard to hold that against Horse. And I think, you know, the same deal for the Bogdan thing. I think it's probably pretty safe to assume that I don't think the front office blew that. I mean, they pulled off the trade like they had it figured out. And then whatever happened, happened, whether it was, you know, a different actor within the box. Maybe it was the front office. Maybe it was, you know, people blame Woj, the NBA in general, Bogdan, Bogdan's camp. Probably not the Kings, but the Kings are pretty incompetent. So Who knows? We just don't know. But if you assume those two things are more outside of horse control, I don't know what he's really messed up. I think he's done pretty well. Um, drafting so Dante? You
2: know, yeah. Draft draft is a little if like DJ Wilson was just a whiff. Uh, yeah. Dante's been good, I guess.
1: The second round guys look pretty good. He just hasn't drafted that much. Yeah, second
2: round picks much. are really nice. Yeah. The Bucks just don't have their own picks. <laughs> like, yeah. And they won't for a while. So
1: yeah exactly um but so yeah I mean the draft is like fine but not great but like also where they're picking it's not terrible um but I think just the fact that they've been able to add a player like Drew Holiday and I think their work around the margins has been really good like Bryn Forbes on a minimum Bobby Portis on the biannual the DJ Augustine contract sucks but when you get out of it within a year and like actually gain assets and PJ Tucker out of it it's almost like, I mean, it still counts, but I mean, he realized it and got out of it, which is like a really important thing that is nice to see. So, and obviously, you know, Brooke Lopez was first brought in. Uh, that was Horst, right? That was Horst first off season. I believe so. Cause that was, that was Bud's first year, right? They yes. they started together. So, um, I believe, um, so. where Horst Bru- might have started the year before. Maybe. Yeah. But bring in Brook Lopez regardless. Yeah. Was he did No, know move.
2: Horst, Horst was the one who fired kid.
1: Oh, da da da! Yeah, you're right. So yeah, so definitely Lopez. That was a great move. Um, I mean, even the Bledsoe trade at the time was uh, a really good move. I think it just didn't end up panning out. The and Vietage again, the
2: Hinch deal was a really good deal. It just didn't work out at all. Yeah,
1: yeah, but I think oh, like the the over my overwhelming thought on the Bucks front office is like they at least are taking these shots to try and give Giannis a great core, and I think you know. I think they've probably gotten just about the best possible players they could have gotten to play with him. Like, they they were never getting Harden, in, in my opinion. Um, you know, Beal has never actually been available. The guys like that. So ending up with Drew Holiday and Chris and all that, and and again, like filling out the roster with good supporting players. Last year, West Matthews on a vet minimum ends up being a starter and one of the four best or four or five best players on the team. Like they've done a really good job in finding ways to add talent, even when capped out. That's going to continue to be really important, obviously. So I'd say overall, I think Horace has done a pretty good job. It's not flawless by any means. The Pat C thing, whatever. I just, I'm not that fired up about it. But I think overall, like the talent is here. They are in, uh, in the contention picture, which is not always easy to do in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I think, you know, the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. And like the winds keep coming and and Giannis and Drew and Chris are all locked up long term.
0: Yeah,
2: like they didn't turn into San Antonio, Indiana, New Orleans. Like there's plenty of avenues for them to go wrong, like Orlando back in the day. And I guess now, too. Uh, Or even like
1: even teams like Portland who have just you know, they've never, yeah, they have they, a star, they, but they just
2: stay in mediocrity. Sorry. They
1: ended up, they ended up drafting Damon and CJ and then like have really never been able to add a true impact. I mean, Nurkic has looked like that at times, but it's also been a while since he's looked like that. And they haven't like, you know, Robert Covington is a fine player, but it's not a Drew Holiday level ad like, and I do think like we could see, you know, the third best player on this team potentially change. If there's another questionable playoff run, that's a whole different story, but like, I think Horace will do whatever if he thinks it gives them a better shot to win with the honest, whereas some of these teams, it feels like they're just kind of comfortable being like, you know, if 40 things break, right, we could win a title. Whereas I think the bucks are a little more aggressive.
2: Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm just looking through some of these drafts. Uh, like the, the 2018, the Dante draft is a little tough because after Dante it was Lonnie Walker, Kevin Herder. Like, I think, I think Dante could be better than Kevin Herter. Um, yeah. Landry Shamit, uh, and I guess before him, like, I guess there are some players that didn't really pan out, like Jerome Robinson, Troy Brown Jr. is good, Zaire Smith's all, eh. Yeah. Uh, Mo Bamba and whatever happened to him. Uh, Kevin Knox is not great. Like, yeah. getting Dante at that is as good. And even in the second round, like, you get a guy like Sam Marrow with the last pick. You get uh, Jordan Wara with the 45th pick. When a lot of these other players in between will not yeah. be that good, probably. So,
1: yeah. I don't know. And I, I guess we I, should I, mention the other. I don't other... Want to give too much
2: credit. Like, I guess I should give credit. Like, credit where credit is due. They've done a great job. Like, could they? Could there be some things on the margin? Sure. Should they still get Maasai? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But, you know, Maasai on top of horse. How about that?
1: Exactly. And I, I will say one thing we haven't mentioned is like losing out on Christian Wood and kind of passing up on Sterling Brown, who's looked like a good player otherwise. Frank Mason not being in the building, Dragon Bender not being in the building. They're not really good at retaining and developing talent, um, which is definitely an issue. I, it's again, it's, so far it's been compensated by the fact of you know they've managed to continue to find vets who can just play right now, and it's kind of it's difficult to develop while contending. It's like almost impossible to do. So I kind of get it, but they they uh, they let talent walk a little bit too often, which is unfortunate. So again, I I wouldn't say a plus for horse, but I'd probably say like. B to B plus area,
2: which is good. That's better than most teams.
1: Yeah, at least at least we don't have Danny Ainge saying you know oh, almost almost yeah. we almost almost uh, should have said almost on that Tice trade though Danny. Um, <laughs> okay, OG Jesus' question, last one for this session. Thanks everybody for hanging in. My one question is, and I know Bud has tried new things all season, but do you guys also feel like the Bucks' approach to this regular season is kind of similar to the bubble? as far as not taking some games seriously. So I think sort of, and I think it's, I don't know if it's an active thing they think about or if it's just kind of the Bucks are a little bit of an unserious team at times on the court. Is that, I don't know.
2: What do you they think? They definitely play like it. They definitely do. And they just don't wake up for some games. We've had this complaint about this franchise from guys like LeBron. Remember that a few years ago? Uh, we're,
1: oh, maybe. Yeah. What did LeBron say? So
2: it was back when like Giannis and Jabari were on the team, and they like not great, like middle of the pack. And it's just like, yeah. Oh, they get up to play like us, the Cavs, but they just don't do that every game. Sort of like something like that. Yeah.
1: Like they. Yeah,
2: I, I, I don't disagree. Yeah, they take, they take games off, like. Literally for rest and health reasons, but figuratively in terms of like, oh, we should win this game, and then they don't, and because they, you need to take every single game seriously. There's not really any bad players in the NBA anymore. Like <laughs> the talent pool is just so massive, and every team has like a couple players that are capable of going off against you. Like even if you're a bad team, there's still there's still players who are capable of making your life very difficult on the basketball court because that's
1: just the Bucks are great at finding yeah, them.
2: And, that's because they don't take every team seriously, and maybe they they should. They yeah. really should. Credit to them, though. They get they seem to get up for the the big competition, but sometimes you might underestimate your competition, and then you sort of flail out early.
1: I really think a lot of this is. It might not be like they literally aren't taking games as serious. Although I, I do think that happens from time to time. I think the philosophies on both end of like. You know, how often they leave shooters open on defense and just again, like the let it fly mentality on offense just makes things look unserious because it's so easy for the Bucks to end up in disadvantageous positions, right? Like, you know, there's going to be shots from role players who aren't like wide open way too often when the honest is on the floor and on the other end, the Bucks are going to give up threes. And suddenly it's like you can give up such a big run so quickly doing that kind of thing that it just, you don't look serious out there, right? Like, I just, I don't think they optimize their players or put them in a great position to succeed. And I think that just comes from some of those mistakes we see on both ends that just, it makes them look ridiculous. Like, they can lose Giannis minutes from time to time because Giannis isn't being featured enough on either end. And like, Giannis doesn't always, you know, Giannis has had some, Bad games this year as well, but I mean there'll be times when he's on the floor and barely touching the basketball because Bobby Portis and then Dante DiVincenzo twice felt like they were open, and it's been two minutes since Giannis has gotten involved on in offense, and the other team has hit two threes, and suddenly you know a game that was close is heading toward a lead for the other team, or uh, you know maybe the Bucks were surging and then they give up a lead that quickly. So I just feel like there are various mantras of like not running that much scripted offense throughout games. And, you know, if you feel open, shoot just leads to some bad decisions that can cost the team that then make them look unserious. Like when one team is going down and running like pick and rolls and horns and Spain pick and roll and all this other stuff to optimize their shot selection. And on the other end, Dante DiVincenzo is taking like a step back sideways 19 foot two that comes off front iron and leads to a fast break dunk. The Bucks just look on I don't know if it's like, you know, players one through 13 aren't locked in enough. I just think sometimes the way they play just makes them look worse than they are.
2: Yeah. That's a completely fair assessment. Just it. There's a lot of factors that sort of play into this. Like you were mentioning it's, it's tough because you need everything to sort of fall into place. And that's what makes winning in the NBA so difficult. You can't really have any weak points in terms of your mentality, your system, your play on the court. All of that feeds into each other and sort of makes, you know, who you are as a team. That's why so many teams struggle and not every team wins. Like you need to be laser focused on every single possession, every single facet of the game, every single night. And that's what these bucks need to do because they're not doing it right now. And then when you don't do that, you get blown out at home by Memphis. That's what happens.
1: It sure is. Is the Phoenix game home or away?
2: Hopefully it's a home game. So they don't actually, maybe not. It is a home game. It is a home game.
1: If they get blown out twice in a row by these teams, man, it's going to. Well, okay. We're going to have to have some more things. conversations. Phoenix
2: is like almost the one seed in the West and Grizzlies are struggling to make the play in.
1: Yeah, but the Bucks are a top three seed in the E. Like I, I'm saying, blown out. Okay. If they lose, they lose. But if if they get, you know, blown out, and I guess they didn't get blown out by Memphis, but I think it it wasn't that compelling of a game from what I understand. And again, like literally without the maybe their was best player, close. That's what. Yeah, that's what. That's what I thought. But like Memphis, literally without a guy who you could argue is their best player, especially their best two way player all season long, and they still can come in and, and soundly beat the somewhat rested Bucks. I mean, I know it was the third and fourth night, but they did, you know, they had, they had a game off and they were at home. So, uh, just tough. So, I, back to back. Oh, the Bucks excuses are just not—they're not hitting right for me this year. I'm not buying a lot of Bucks excuses this year. But th- that Phoenix game better be competitive at the very least. Is all I'm saying. Yes,
2: it has to be. And they've lost, I think, like five or four in a row at home. Like you can't do that.
1: Oh my goodness, that's great. I did not know that off top. That's a great stat. Yeah, that's brutal. They—they they need a home win, and that's—I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see on this question to wrap up here from Jeezy. Like a serious team. In my opinion, comes out and gets a big win here in this situation of like coming off of a loss, all these losses at home in a row, all this. But I do feel like we've seen Bucks losing streaks go longer than ever this season, even when Giannis is healthy. And I know Drew missed a lot of the, the longest losing streak uh, games, but I just feel like they don't come out with that same energy they used to. And I think part of it is, you know, maybe the guys are getting more rest or whatever, and they're just trying new things, but. I do see a little bit of a difference in intensity. I mean, that team two years ago or last year, both, I think, was just mad when they lost one in a row. They were like, we are not losing two in a row. Now they're like, oh, well, you know, we tried zone for five minutes, so whatever happens, happens. I don't like
2: that. No, and especially because I mentioned this up top, there's only 16 games left. You can only use that excuse for so long. If You you can't keep doing that until, like, the last regular season game and be like, okay, now it's playoff time. Now we're going to do this, given the first round might be, Whatever, but it's still the playoffs. You can't do that. It's otherwise you just get uh, the first. It. Well,
1: the first round will be harder than last year, I think. Uh,
2: you,
1: you, maybe, potentially, maybe if you draw like if you draw Miami or Boston, you won't. Those even are going to be the four five. Potent- maybe it's a weird season, man. I would not pencil in any of those teams where they are um, right now, but. Uh, I I, I got to see some more. I got to see some dogs. So I guess I wasn't. I'm I'm changing my answer slightly. Like I still think all those things play into it, but there there is something there of like this team should be a little madder when they lose. Like it's okay to say we're trying new things, and that that's fine. And it's okay to know that that's gonna affect your your margin of victory in some regular season games. But I do think sometimes they're a little too. They pointed to that a little too much. It's like that's fine. You're trying something new. Like it's Memphis without. J- jaron jackson jr trying in milwaukee things that help you win also that also that um yeah yeah you know what i i think i changed my answer a little bit i do think it's a little concerning and i hope we see some more dawn they don't get if they don't get, uh, they don't get right
2: in the next week i will be very very concerned
1: yeah cuz it's the the bubble thing again where they you know whatever for whatever reason that flip that switch never got flipped and it cost the bucks big You've time you got
2: to do it early because we know this team is capable of doing big things i just predicted they would make the finals so Wild. they they've they've got to put it together or i'm going to look like an idiot so protect me bucks uh, <laughs> um and i i feel like i've made a fool of myself uh multiple times but this would be the biggest uh <laughs> Please, <laughs> I've made some bold predictions. Please do not let me down. Uh, yeah, that's that.
1: That's all I have to say. Fair, Um, but yeah, no, I just think that, and there's going to be some games that just basically punt, and I'm totally fine with that. Like rest four starters, you know, to avoid the guys playing four and six nights or whatever the hell the NBA is trying to do to these players this season. I don't, I have no issue with that. But when when most of the guys are playing, I just, I need to see some some better basketball and like let's let's start to get serious i would like to see personally if you have to punt like three of the last 16 fine maybe you take like two of them or three of the rest a little less serious let's see playoff rotations for 10 games like let's actually get ready i hope i hope we see that we'll we'll see we might, what
2: happens. we saw shades of that in the memphis game so we'll see
1: we, we will yeah see.
2: do we have uh do we have anything else here
1: no, I think I think we ended up getting to every question we got asked, and I feel like we didn't get a billion questions, but every question we got was really good. Yeah, so it made for an awesome question. podcast. Come on, Ty.
2: these are the Eurostep listeners. Come on.
1: Yeah, I should have I should have expected.
2: So, yeah, I guess we can wrap this up here. Say thank you to everyone who's here live on Locker Room. Uh given this was a an odd start time, but we should be back to our normal uh normal Sunday times as usual uh that we do Buck Stock Radio here live on Locker Room. But if you aren't here, you're just listening it listening to it as a podcast. Thank you for listening as always. If you are on Apple, you know, leave a rating, send it to us. We 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 like seeing those sort of things and just subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're using. Tell all of your family and friends about the show. Spread the good word about the Eurostep. Check out all the content across the entire Blue Wire Podcast Network. Stay safe, everyone, please. I'm begging you. And we will talk to you next time.
1: When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers.